This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, the show that talks all things outdoors in Paul Bunyan Country, or as we like to call it, paradise. Matt Brewer is on the show today. He's been out in the woods getting his clients some bear. We'll talk all about bear hunting and all kinds of other hunting opportunities and even a little bit of fishing with Matt Brewer of North Country Guide Services. Country Outdoors, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Well, it's bear season, so it's time to check in with Matt Brewer of North Country Guide Service. Uh, one of his specialties, of course, are bear hunts here in Paul Bunyan Country. Matt, thanks for coming back on the show. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we predicted, or I shouldn't say we, you predicted, and other people who know things about bear, that it was going to be a spectacular year this year, simply because with the drought, a lot of the food in the forest wasn't happening, and so, um, you know, those bait uh, stations would be really, really popular amongst bear. Is that proving to be the case? It's kind of a strange thing. <laughs> I I almost had to eat my eat my words because um, everything was going the way it was supposed to. Everything was going as predicted. We had um, we had bait stations absolutely getting crushed, and they were getting hit at all certain or all different times of day, and we had upwards of like seven different bears on some of the stations, so it was looking like a banner year, and everything was falling into place as far as the prediction went. I, I thought it was just going to be knockout, lights out, but I hadn't dropped any bait into the woods at that time when I spoke to you, and I hadn't really seen many bears that I could actually you know, stop and take a look at. And we dropped bait, everything was golden, but the bears looked way healthier than I would have expected. Like some were extremely fat, visibly healthy Mm. um, on on camera. And then about three days before the season started, uh, we got some wind and a couple of cool nights and the acorns fell and everything started to change. And I got really nervous because we had, we had baits from basically the day we put them out until, three days before, um, you know, that were being hit multiple times a day, and all of a sudden they weren't being hit at all. Um, We had some really, really good stations that were near oaks uh, that were still producing plenty, and we were lucky enough to harvest two bears on opening night um, and nothing on the second night. (laughs) And I was like, okay, this is not the way the season is supposed to be going. But We had rain, we had some wind. And then finally, um, the third and fourth nights were dead calm, beautiful outside, and you know the day was calm, and I figured the acorns didn't really fall that much that day, and and everything kind of pieced together, and uh, clients killed a bunch of bears on those days, and and all of a sudden we found ourselves tagged out for all the clients, and everybody was going home, and and I hadn't gotten any sleep, and I had <laughs> <laughs> eight million pieces of dirty clothes and all this uh, cleanup to do and realized, holy cow, that went really fast and happened in a hurry. So we got, I, I feel like we got really lucky on a couple of bears, but everything really turned around um, from what was actually looking like kind of a 
mediocre start slash me being concerned. Um, but my prediction is that once the food, the natural food became available, since there hadn't really been much for natural food out there, um, that they found an opportunity to, you know, to really gorge and, and enjoy themselves on a food that they really love and they took advantage of it and started skipping out on, on the other baits. So when, when do you, uh, is there a restriction on the times you can hunt? Is it like deer hunting? Um, as far as daytime, like yeah, sun up to, yeah, we don't do, we don't really do morning hunts, okay. um, but in the evenings you can hunt until half hour after sunset. Okay. But realistically, you don't really make it to that, that mark anyway. You're hunting a black animal in the depths of the forest. Um, it gets pretty dark like 10 minutes before, uh, before actual twilight. So most, most hunters were texting like, I'm ready to get down. And I'm like, you still got eight minutes. Uh, no, I'm nervous. I'm ready to get down. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so you, you, you tagged them out, um, which is a big relief for you. Um, and, and you, you mentioned early they were they seemed healthier than you thought they would have you determined why that is i i don't know what their food sources were for sure um when we started running baits and we were getting a lot of bears in and they start you know they're kind of living in the baits so they use it as their bathroom their kitchen their bedroom and a lot of the scat piles were filled with corn um so i could tell you know they were living in some of them were living in nearby cornfields or traveling a fair distance to get to cornfields. Um, but then as the season kind of went on with baiting, you know, it's almost like it's almost three weeks of baiting. And actually I'm going to bait again after I get off the phone with you. But, but you, you know, you really kind of start to see a little bit of what they ate. <laughs> um, but realistically I saw like, normal scat piles where I couldn't really decipher anything, you know, a few berry seeds, and I assumed it was from blackberries, um, and maybe some, like, uh, plum, wild plums and stuff like that, but but otherwise it was it was corn. So I can't imagine that the farmers around here were real happy with the crop circles made by the bears, but, um, but they were finding food and not sure what else they were eating, and there's a lot of common misconceptions about bears, like either people think they just eat garbage out of garbage cans or grease from their <laughs> from their grill, um, or they think that you know they eat fruits and and are kind of herbivores, but they'll they'll happily eat meat. So there's a possibility that bears this year were you know, were feeding on meat somewhere, and they actually take a lot of fawns in the spring, so they could have oh. been could have been quite healthy off of eating things like that. So you, you never know. I, I've always joked around that I would love to sit down with a bear and have a conversation and ask the whys and wheres and whens and hows, but obviously that's not going to happen. <laughs> not, not on this realm of reality, you know. Maybe someday. Uh, yep. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, Matt, um, more baiting, of course, and, and got more guides. And how long does this go? Does this go to the end of September? It actually goes into October. It does. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure on the final day because we, we typically only run the first two weeks um, for clients. And then the only reason I'm still baiting is my wife hasn't killed a bear yet. 
oh. between work between work and kiddos and her helping out with all the client bears and stuff like that. Um, she's only got to sit a few times and um, she had one come in and sent her and was sitting back kind of snapping its gums, getting a really deep whiff. You could, you know, she could tell it was just sitting back, smelling her, waiting for her to leave. And sure enough, she got down and the bear came in like 28 minutes later. Um, and that's kind of been the story for her. And the story for her has also been she's been getting in too late because of other obligations. So sure. things out of her control. Um, the one day we got her in the stand at like 3.30 and the bait had been hit and I pulled the card and we bumped a bear out of there when we went in and then it didn't come back till after dark. And then another day we got her in and there had been a bear in an hour earlier. So had she been able to you know, do normal normal. Uh, vacation time person hours she would have been she would have been tagged out long ago but i think she's excited to give her a shot this weekend so and based on what you're seeing from what your clients have taken um what are we seeing as far as ages is there a lot of young bears out there are they mainly older bears what are you seeing no that was something strange this year um clients did harvest some young bears but from what we saw on camera um I, I saw more really mature and big bears this year on camera than than normal. Um, on a normal year, you know, we might say, oh, there's three really good shooter bears on these five stations or, you know, just throwing numbers out there. But it seemed like almost every bait station we had out had one big target bear. Um, we had one that was easily over 500. Um, nobody harvested, and that's actually the one my wife is still after. <laughs> um, and we know it's over 500 because we compared it to pictures of a 515 a client harvested two years ago in the same station, and this bear is bigger. Um, and then we've got a couple that look like they're in that 300, 350 class, which are really actually quite big bears for Minnesota. And the average bear taken in Minnesota is less than 120 pounds, so... Um, so these are, you know, really mature, nice big bears, and we had a couple taken that were, that were really nice ones. No giants, but some really respectable, big mature boars, and uh, and then like I said, there were a few young ones that just kind of uh, two of the bears harvested. I had never seen on camera, and it just so happened they walked in like that day. So there were there's a lot of bears in the woods. <laughs> if you're if you have people shooting bears you've never seen on camera and you've been baiting for almost three weeks. Um, that tells you there's a lot more bears out there than you realize. So. Now, for my guest, his clients are out looking for bear right now. We've got all kinds of hunting things to cover with Matt before we're all said and done. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service. Are you looking to plan a fishing trip? Look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is your year-round destination for walleyes, pike, muskie, bass, perch, crappie, panfish, and more. With over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji, come take a cast of becoming a fishing legend. While you're on your fishing adventure, come take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Discover the first city on the Mississippi... Bemidji, one step further. Hit, 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 
Welcome back to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Matt Brewer of North Country Guide Service, my guest. He's guiding bear hunts right now. And Matt, you know the biology way more than I do, and I know I'm doing an apples to oranges uh, comparison here. But you know, in fishing, you know, you're, you're, there's actual slot limits, and or you know, most people know they want to keep the walleyes of a certain you know length and age in the water because they're the producers of the next generation. Is there a, a, a type of bear that's best to harvest for that same reason? Um, from an edible standpoint, um, you know, your smaller bears always taste better. Okay. Um, I've, I've never I've never had someone harvest a really big bear, or I've never harvested, or families never harvested a big bear and said, man, this bear tastes the best out of any bear I've ever shot. <laughs> and the bigger ones usually just don't taste quite as good, and that's that kind of goes with everything like yeah young geese young ducks young deer uh, you know there's a reason why people shoot a smaller animal and they say oh that one's going to eat great because they do yeah um 15 to 18 inch walleyes <laughs> yeah but there there's a lot of factors that run into a bear hunt too like um you know everyone wants a rug or a shoulder mount and for every person that's different you know if you're looking for a really nice rug you're not going to want to shoot a yearling or a two and a half year old you you want something in that kind of magic zone between two and a half and four and a half and and you want that bear to eat right and i mean <laughs> there's so many different things like to to have a bear with a nice coat so um so if i had to pick everybody would shoot like 175 to 225 pound bear okay they're they're not too hard to handle they taste great they make a great rug um, they're big enough that you can make a shoulder mount. Um, but my, like my dad shot one that was pretty small, like 120, 125 maybe. We didn't weigh it, but that bear, you know, it was just a special bear. My dad hadn't killed a bear in a long time after, you know, bear hunting basically when he was my age. He bear hunted every year and guided hunters and, and he took a long break due to his heart and, he decided to come sit in one of our leftover stations and was lucky enough to have a, a smaller one walk through. So, you know, that bear is really special, just as special as somebody else shooting a 300-pounder to him. So, Sure. Uh, and we're all going to feast off of it. It's going to be a, a great-tasting bear. So. <laughs> well, it's interesting that, uh, that, you know, when fall hits, all of a sudden there's so many hunting seasons, how can you choose? And then they threw a couple of extras at us, an early teal and an early goose season this year. Were you even able to even think about participating in that? I actually tried participating <laughs> in early goose, um, baiting as much as we were, uh, kind of running all over the county and seeing geese in fields. So, and I, I was on vacation <laughs> for a part of it, so... I'm like, if I can get a permission for that field, I'm going to wake up early in the morning. Me and Tate are going to go goose hunting, and then I'll get bear hunters in later. And I got shot down on every field I tried for. So every uh, every field was either spoken for or or already had family members hunting it or, or whatnot. But I didn't even know there was an early teal season until people started talking about it. So I didn't partake in that. And early goose, I typically get out a time or two. Um, but just didn't work out this year. Didn't didn't really try too hard. But every time we found a field, we uh, we asked and and 
just didn't pan out. But uh, but it's not over yet. There's a possibility we could still find something. All right. Hey, uh, yeah. It, I was just curious. I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody in the DNR about this. Um, do you know why they decided to have an early teal season? It's been talked about for <clears throat> for many years, and a lot of other states offer it. And I think finally Minnesota just kind of broke down and said, "All right, we're doing it this year." Um, I, I don't know exactly the inner workings, and wasn't in the room on any of these decisions, but um, but I think that's kind of how it went. Um, there are a lot of other places that offer an early teal season because by the time uh, actual duck season opens here in Minnesota, a lot of the teal are already blown out. So, mm-hmm. and it, it gives hunters an opportunity to get out earlier, and it, it's just a really good thing to have. The only concern with it is uh, people misidentifying ducks. It's really you know, if you if you're a hardcore duck hunter, you know what a teal looks like when it's coming into the decoys. Um, and they did try to combat that a little bit by um, teal season. You can you can't shoot until sunrise instead of uh, instead of earlier. So um, that helps you identify the ducks. Obviously, if it's getting lighter, but but that's really the only downfall. I mean, it's beneficial to everybody in every other way, and it's really good for the state. And we were kind of late to the to the ball game as far as teal season went a lot of other states were doing it and it it provides a lot of great opportunity for some really good shooting because there's a lot of teal around early season Um, and then like i said by by opener a lot of them have blown out and you know you might only see a few teal during some openers in minnesota so okay this seems really unlikely to to possibly happen but i'm theoretically is it possible if you happen to be out there at the right time of year when, when wild rice harvest is still on and you're at a spot where the wild rice is good, can you harvest rice, fish for bass, and hunt ducks at the same time? Is that legal? Yeah, think about this. <laughs> yes, I think that is perfectly legal. You You could literally do that from a canoe sitting in one patch of wild rice. I mean, you... You could cast out to the edge and catch bass. Um, you could definitely hunt ducks because uh, lakes with wild rice around here are kind of the gem, and you're going to shoot ducks if you're sitting on the edge of, <laughs> of some active rice. And uh, and I, in between, there would be zero problem as long as the you know you weren't weren't moving by motor um, while you're shooting. You would be perfectly legal. So yes, that is a feasible thing. And you can shoot a goose if it's move over. Because <laughs> we're in a water zone. So. I know people that need to try this because they just, you know, it would be perfect for them. I need to try this. It yeah. sounds great. Okay, I want you to try that. We need to talk about it when you do. Ricing is, that's like, that's no, like, old man's game. Well, no. it is because a lot of older folks, that's their huge enjoyment. That's. That's not a lazy man's game. So no. I don't know if I fit into that. That's that's hard work. Have you ever done it? I haven't, but I've I've, I've watched video. It it looks like hard work. Like I I love the outdoors and I love everything outdoors, but I am going to buy rice from a <laughs> just ain't doing it. Well, you know Rylander, so you're good. You're good in that regard. <laughs> right, he's my rice man. <laughs> 
Oh, man. All right, so map out your fall. Uh, we got bear hunting going on now, and I know there's a ton of other things you're going to be doing. Yeah, well, I told my wife she's got to kill a bear before grouse opener because once grouse opener happens, um, I, uh, I'm i not running bait, and uh, and I'm not going to be putting her in the stand because I'm going to be walking behind the dog. So uh, once grouse opens, um, we'll be hitting that really hard, and then the following weekend, woodcock opens. So that's... Uh, I think grouse opens the 18th and woodcock opens the 25th as well as regular waterfall season. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually emceeing the goose calling contest up at Goose Festival in Middle River, Minnesota. Um, Your old stomping grounds? Fest. It's something everybody in Minnesota should definitely try to make it to. It's an incredible event. Um, I'll be there for that, doing some goose and crane hunting. Um, and then... I don't know what happens after that. I mean, I'll just chase birds really hard, sharp tail, Hungarian partridge. Um, try to do that as much as possible and try to get the kid on as many geese and good duck shoots as possible. And then as we get later, obviously, you got fall turkey and deer and uh, and then late season diver hunting. Um, looking forward to kind of all these things. And then, and then my hunting season goes on pause until like January or early February, and I'm going to go down quail hunting in new mexico but oh okay but, uh, but yeah it's last year i decided i was gonna just hit bird hunting really hard and not concentrate as hard on everything else and and it was one of my favorite falls i i i think you said it at the beginning i try to do too much and if i can just kind of concentrate on a couple things and and really just try to excel at those and enjoy myself there then relieves me of a lot of mental turmoil and physical stress so i'm going to kind of do that again I'll, I'll concentrate on ducks a little more this year because tate's so into it and uh and then just chase rough grouse and woodcock and sharpies and stuff like that this is paul bunyan country outdoors matt brewer of north country guide service my guest we're talking hunting trips for the fall do you ever do muzzle loading? I used to. I used to be really big into muzzleloader hunting. Um, I actually took like a seven-year hiatus from rifle hunting because, like, when I was young, my dad was really into it, and like my first muzzleloader was a kit gun. So you you know it's a kit and you put it together yourself. And the most inaccurate thing I've ever shot in my life. <laughs> I always had fun with it, and we always hunted in southern Minnesota by my grandparents and. There's no shortage of deer, and you're always actively making drives or pushing fences and uh, pushing through groves and stuff. So it, it's a lot of shooting. Like, if you have a gun that's not that accurate and you're pushing through a grove, you know, you, you get a shot, and then <laughs> obviously you have to reload. So you move on to the next grove or fence line, and then you get another shot. And uh, it was always always really fun. And then I muzzleloader loader hunted around here for many years, and... Always found pretty good success, but then as uh, you know, marriage and wife starting deer hunt, and then uh, growing a family, they, my wife and son, absolutely love adore deer hunting. So it was getting back into rifle season and uh, and enjoying that with them. So, and I always say I'm going to sit and wait for a big buck, and we've got a lot of big bucks kind of spotted and around. Like I said, I've been driving around a lot because of bears and. I know a lot of spots where there's big deer hanging out, and 
realistically, I'll sit in the stand, I'll shoot the first year I see him, I'll go back to bird hunting, and then I'll complain about how I didn't wait for a big buck. <laughs> I do it every year. <laughs> well, at least you know yourself well. <laughs> right. Uh, you you decided you were going to take a break from uh, guiding fish, take a little bit of time off, and then get ready for bear. Did, did you Were you able to stay true to your word on that? I was. I There were a few times where the phone rang, and like Rylander was traveling a lot, and I knew he wasn't available, and a client would be like, oh, man, we were really hoping to get out with you or Jason. And it's like, well, Jason said I could pull into his driveway and, and hook up to his boat as long as I checked in with his wife. And and uh, I never did it. I stayed true to my word. I just told clients, you know, I'm sorry that we're not available, but sent them to people like Will over at, at Northwoods or Matt Newell, um, and they... They were great. I'm glad they were available to to take clients out because I don't I don't care if a if a vacationer comes here and fishes with me or with someone else. I just want them to enjoy their experience here in Bemidji. And, and uh, I know some of those other guides are doing a really good job, and and they were able to take these people on, so that was great. But I did. I stayed away from it. My son hated it. He's like, can't we just go? Rylander's boat and go fishing and I'm like well I have to go to work in an hour and he's like can't we fish for like 20 minutes I'm like no sorry <laughs> and on days off it was I just kind of tried to enjoy myself and it was wonderful um, I'm ready to get back to it I this hiatus made definitely made the heart grow fonder and I, I really miss fishing and I'm ready to get back to it now that bear's kind of winding down but but that'll only last a week because then grouse will open, and then I'll forget about fishing again anyway. <laughs> what did you hear from, from the, the guys you know out there? You know, it was kind of a hit or miss end of summer. I mean, everybody was catching fish, but it was like one day they would absolutely crush them, and then that, the next day they'd go back to the same spot, and the fish weren't there, and they'd only catch a few. Um, I know Rylander got frustrated a couple times because he just, I mean, he, his trips went really well, but he was frustrated because he loves to try to know what the fish are doing. And, you know, not being able to figure them out can be a little bit frustrating. But um, now I'm hearing fish are, you know, kind of moving towards their fall patterns. I'm seeing a lot of people catching big fish on big rafts in deep water. and A lot of people in, enjoying the fall, early fall, late summer, smallmouth bite, and musky fishermen are really happy. So it looks like things are going very well. Um I just need to figure out uh, who who owes me a favor large enough to be willing to take me and my son fishing. That's what I need to figure out. Oh, there's got to be uh, an, an almost endless list, Matt. <laughs> well, it, the first name is Jason, the last name is Ryder. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I just saw a recent picture of them. Makes me question. Makes me question what what Rylander's all about. Have you seen that picture? Never, never, ever figure that out. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I just, you know, I, I don't, I don't think the world will want to see a picture, a similar picture of me on Facebook. <laughs> oh, was it you'll talk bathtub? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, then you have never experienced the North Country Guide Service trail camera picture uh, that his brother shared with us. No. Or, I, I don't know that I should release this to the world. If you were an early follower of North Country Guide Service, you definitely saw it because we actually posted the picture and and gave away a trail camera. But um, 
Rylander in his typical Rylander humor fashion. His brother put out a trail cam, and Jason thought it would be funny to Sasquatch by it, uh, unclothed. <laughs> so I have this picture. I, I don't know why I still have this picture, but it exists in my library, and it's very, very funny. And it was back in the days when he was even more grizzly and burly than he is now. So there's, a, there's a lot of, a lot of hair and a little bit of butt cheeks. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I want to see that or not. <laughs> so there's more than one questionable Rylander photo out there. You just didn't know about it. No, no, not until this very moment in time. And yet I'm not... Talk, next time you ask, talk to him, ask him about his famous shorts phase where he was wearing cut-off jean shorts where you could see the pockets, and those were the lucky shorts for musky fishing. Oh, man, that just sounds oh disturbing, too. Oh, my God, he's going to kill me after this one. <laughs> Well, none of these things actually shock me. (laughs) That's the best part. Oh, all right. Well, anything else going on we need to know about? No, I mean, it's it's the most wonderful time of the year. I mean, if you're a fisherman, get out and get it while the getting's good. Um, I know a lot of people are excited for ice fishing, but everybody forgets that fall fishing is probably the best. It is. And uh, if you can... If you're addicted to hunting like me, if you can find time for a casting glass, uh, there's nothing better than... Uh, that's one of the greatest things about living in the North Country is the casting glass aspect. I mean, you can wake up in the morning and go hunt geese and fish walleyes in the afternoon and then hunt grouse in the evening before dark. Like, it, you can really fill the day with a lot of special things. and We have so many options available. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And the temperatures are great. Like I'm in, I'm in. Uh, well, I'm in my pajamas, <laughs> but I'm in pajama pants and a sweatshirt. And I went and got the mail before you called, and it's perfect outside. Like I wish it this were the weather every day year round. But do you uh, do you guide for any hunting besides bear? We do waterfowl, and we used to specialize in crane hunts and i mean we still would and could but i actually sent all of our crane hunters last year and this year to um a fellow guide up in thief river falls just because it, it gets really hard for me to drive to thief river scout and then put people on birds um and then you know come back and have to work and just the older i get the tougher this stuff gets and the more intense work becomes the harder it is to get away and i eat up my vacation time with vacation now instead of work aside <laughs> from bear season so i don't have a lot of it sitting on the plate where i can just go oh i'm gonna guide this you know this week and i'm gonna take some time off so um so, so yeah we we do we do offer that and we're still going to offer some uh, some local duck hunts um and then i think i've got one deer hunter coming this year um but we we do meat hunts for deer no trophies um, but people who are struggling to, to tag a deer, we can always help them out. And, uh, and yeah, it's busy, busy, busy. And, uh, and then it's uh, sit and wait for ice fishing after that. Right. So I'm, I'm assuming you're, you're probably booked for most of the fall hunts. Yeah. I mean, we could still take some people. And like I said, uh, deer, we've only got one, one guest coming. Um, so we, we've got openings for that, but most of the people, you know, 
deer hunting tradition. They they don't need someone, but uh, but we're always willing to help people out if they're looking for someone. So. All right. Well, people want to at least see if you're available for summer hunting and obviously ice fishing. There's probably a lot of good openings still for that. Uh, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, the easiest way is probably, honestly, I'm backing up. I always say the easiest way is to find us at northcountryguides.com, and that is easy. But mm-hmm. if you just throw North Country Guide Service into the Google machine, you can find pretty much everything right there now. Uh, links to social, social media and everything. And uh, otherwise, you can go to northcountryguides.com to get a hold of myself or Jason. So, All right. He's one of the best. He's Matt Brewer of North Country Guide Service. As always, enlightening stuff. Uh, I'm taking a lot of notes about Jason Rylander, and I will use this to my advantage at some point. Matt, thanks for your time today. Good luck out there in the woods. Thanks, Kevin. Have a good one. Well, a few reminders for you as we head into the weekend. Uh, first of all, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast at Podcast One on the PodMN app or wherever you get your podcast, so you can listen at your leisure and get some bonus coverage as well. In fact, there's some bonus coverage on today's podcast. Steve Sapaniak of Predator Guide Service talking Mille Lacs Lake pike and muskies from the waters of Mille Lacs Lake. Also a reminder that next week is our final week of Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. So for KB101 listeners, that's all you'll have. Uh, the following week, we'll be into our weekly Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors And that will be Thursday afternoons on KBUN Sports Radio 104.5 and Saturday mornings. And, of course, it will be podcastable as well. Our final week of Fish and Paul Bunyan Country is going to be a good one. We've got some great stuff coming up. We'll hear from Peter Janik, the uh, tournament director of the Frank Snyder Jr. Memorial Muskie Tournament Monday. He'll recap that big event, which is running all weekend long right here in Paul Bunyan Country waters. We've got Isaiah Hahn talking Park Rapids area fishing and... With Isaiah, most definitely some musky fishing. Steve Batson's going to talk about the Grand Rapids area and uh, bass for the fall. And Eric Osberg will be in as well to talk Otter Tail Lake fishing. They've got the National Walleye Trail Championship coming up there at the end of the month. Also, Edie Everts, the new area fisheries supervisor out of the Bemidji office, will be in for the state of the fishery to wrap it up. But again, we will continue with some outstanding outdoor programming for you after the end of Fish and Paul Bunyan Country with a weekly Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors and on the podcast as well. Weekend's going to be great. Get out there, do some hunting, do some fishing, do some whatever you want to do, but enjoy the outdoors. We will talk to you next week. Hey, we're not done yet. As we noted just a few moments ago, we've got a podcast bonus for you today. Well, his office is Lake Malax, and that's where he's at right now. Steve Sapaniak of Predator Guide Service. Uh, how's how's everything at the office today? You know, the office is doing okay. Things are a little bit slower. We're all pike fishing right now, Kevin. Started off with a nice size Sacramento, got taken right away, and made one of the quickest dashes I've seen the Sacramento do with the northern hanging on to it, you know, leading the way. Unfortunately, we didn't get no hooks into that one. Had to hit a little while ago, but uh, with the wind kicking up, Kevin, it's been a little tough. The other thing that's hurting us is we've got all that grass on the bottom of the lake has been breaking free for a month and a half, two months, and it should have been done with, and it's not. So every other cast, we got to take grass off. Uh, things are looking good. Uh, the sonar shows a lot of big fish below us, big pike and muskies. Uh, seen a lot of smallmouth bass jumping this morning. You know, but right now, uh, Mother Nature is kicking us a little bit. We're hoping for some better results here coming up. What seems to be the biggest issue right now? 
Uh, the biggest issue is fighting that darn grass that's all over the surface. It's okay. getting caught on our line all over. And then the other issue is the wind. You know, we've got some gusts up to 15 miles from the south. That means every part of Malax Lake is rocking and rolling. So between the combination of both of them, that's sort of keeping us uh, keeping us from achieving our goals, let's say. You know, we're still soaking in Sacramento, and I've got a couple of my people cast and. Great people, nice people. We just need cooperation on the fishers' end. <laughs> well, you know they're down there. It's just finding that uh, that secret uh, formula this time, right? Exactly. I think we're on lure change, probably number twenty. You know, we're <laughs> mixing it up, Kevin. But that's what you got to do. You got to establish some pattern. Right now, the hit came on a came on a grim reaper with three willow leaf blades. Uh, one of my people, Cody's got a baby beaver on. Tana's got the willow leaf blade. And then Gene, he's taking his turn watching the Sacramento. So all eyes are on deck and all eyes are posted. We just need a little cooperation. So um, as we get ready for the fall bite, what are we seeing now uh, as far as temps go on Mille Lacs? How close are we? Well, we're getting pretty good. Right now the temperature, Kevin, is 68.6, 68.6. We got started this morning. It was about 66. Water temperature in the last five, six days has dropped five degrees which is good. We need that colder weather to get the fish active again and start going into the fall pattern. So I'm happy about that. We just don't need the, the extensive high up to the 80s again or mid-70s, and then within two nights dropping down 8 degrees again. So that does hurt. Right now, the fall pattern's coming along just about right on time. The water temperature is getting where it should be. Like I said, we just need some other cooperation. Uh, maybe hit a few majors and minors during the course of the day. Helps out too, folks. You know the iron the ironic thing about fishing is it's a it's wonderful to be on a boat with shorts and short sleeve shirts enjoying that sunshine and warm weather but if you want to catch fish you got to be in layers because that fall bite is unbelievable. It is. It is. It was chilly this morning. I had three layers on. Right now I'm down to two and everything which is nice, but the fall bite's just going to keep getting better and better like you said Kevin. Uh dress warm folks when you go out on the fall bite wear plenty of layers you can always take them off you know if you don't go out there with them and it gets colder you got nothing else to put on so keep that one in mind but the fall bite's starting to, to pick up sacramentos are starting to get some action like i said kevin we just need some cooperation with mother nature and the wind i know you're going after big fish uh both the uh, muskies and northerns but what are you seeing from the bass anglers and the walleye anglers right now well, right now the uh, smallmouth bass action has picked up a little bit, Kevin. They're still fishing like Ned Riggs and everything, anywhere from 18 to 26 feet of water. It's been a deeper water bite this time of year because of the thermocline. The smallmouth love the cooler water temperatures as well. But then again, we like I said this morning on the weed bed we're fishing, we've seen three or four, maybe possibly five smallmouth surface, and that's a weed bed that tops off at 12 feet. So that gives you an idea. They're all over the place. The ones that are more active biting, though, Kevin, are the deeper smallmouth on the deeper structure than the shallow ones. Uh, largemouth bass is starting to go a little bit better. Look for the pencil weeds, which are bulrushes near deep cabbage weeds, topping off or dropping off anywhere from 8 to 14 feet of water. You're going to have more action with the uh, largemouth bass. Uh, Northern pike, while we're chasing them right now, along with the muskies, you know how that's going. Walleye, though, on the other hand, is still doing pretty good. Mudflat sandbars have been the key. Fish the uh, tops of the sandbars and mudflats early in the morning. Lindy rigs with leeches, 10-foot snails to 12-foot snails have been doing well. Bottom bouncer with crawlers are still doing well, Kevin, as well as one of my favorite, you know, if you don't, if you have people that have a hard time catching on to Lindy rigging or bottom bouncing, 
soak a leech underneath a bobber, fish no more than four inches off the bottom of my wax egg, and hang on. You know, we've had some half-day trips, you know, where we're getting 40, 50, 60 hits. That's hard to beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so we had some rain here, pretty good uh, dosing of rain over a week or so. It's, then it's been quiet again. Have you seen any change at all in water levels? Has rain down there helped at all? You know, Kevin, that's a great question. Looking at all that torrential rain we had a few days ago or last week was incredible. Right now, we're still touching bottom at just about every public landing we go to. The water temperature helped for about three, four days as far as a couple inches, but now we're back down to what we were, The you know, with the drought and everything. In fact, maybe a little bit less water temperatures. We need a lot more water. We need a, need a lot more torrential rain. On the other hand, it's sort of hard for people to fish in, but right now, I would say let's get a couple of nights of torrential rain and get that lake at least up a few inches would help. Okay. Well, I, I know that, again, the deeper we get into fall, the better the musky bite gets for sure. Uh, you know, if you can handle the weather at late October into November, as long as it doesn't freeze up, that can be really, really potent. Uh, and so people should maybe think about a, a late fall trip, right? Oh, definitely. Think about a late fall trip. I'm totally booked, but I have a gentleman that helps me guide with the overflow. He's a great fisherman as well, you know. I got got him going to the point where I feel very confident. He's been taking a lot of trips for me this year. Uh, give us a call. We'll line you up with uh, Connor. He's a great fisherman. I'm totally booked. You know, if I get a cancellation, that's fantastic. But uh, wish I could help out now. All the advertisement, Kevin, you've been giving me this summer and this early fall. If anybody wants a trip, how do we get a hold of you? It's paid off. I'm booked, but we got Connor to take you out, folks, and he's good. All right. Very good. I'm glad to, glad to hear it's working for you. Radio works, people. Radio works. Uh, <laughs> it certainly does. <laughs> all right, Stephen. Then, of course, uh, you know, just it's it's not that long, and all of a sudden it's going to be ice fishing season, and uh, and of course there's some great pike opportunities uh, during ice fishing season. Oh, definitely. You know, early ice. You know, I, I got to be honest with you, folks. It's probably some of the funnest pike fishing you'll have with tip ups. But let's play it safe. Make sure you have a pair of picks around your neck. Make sure you have a flotation cushion with you or plus a life jacket. I also carry 50 feet of rope early in the season with a good-sized stick on it and everything in case you got to toss it. So be prepared for the worst, and hopefully you don't have to worry about nothing but the best and the fun of catching fish. But early ice is good. It's also dangerous. Please be careful and have fun. We're a ways away from that. So if we're going to go out fishing this weekend, uh, overall view, not not necessarily uh, Malax specific what should we be bringing with us, and, and where should we be starting our journey? Well, it all depends what you're after. You know, like if you're after Northern Pike, you know, the Northern Pike are coming back into the shallows to put on the feed bag. I would be out there with sucker minnows. I'd be out there with fatheads and, and maybe go with a single hook for a stationary presentation or a quick strike rig. Fish the weeds, the edge of the weeds, Kevin. If you're after panfish, same thing. Fish the bulrushes with the cabbage patches nearby. And with a nice uh, depth of 8 feet, it drops off to about 12 feet. Wherever you're going to find bulrushes and cabbage, you're going to find panfish. Uh, work in the bass, work a little deeper, you know, work at uh, a little bit slower. That's the key. Don't be in a hurry this time of year, you know, and, and enjoy and reap the benefits because it's going to happen. Okay. You you noted that you're pretty booked for the fall. I know you do a lot, I, a lot of ice fishing. Do you guide uh, in the winter as well? I do. I do a little bit. If you're interested in getting out, folks, for some good uh, northern pike fishing, give me a call. be happy to get you out there with some tip-ups and everything and uh, see what we can happen. How can people get a hold of you? Uh, give me a call. Uh, go on my website, check out my home phone, 
320-253-7535. I have a landline. And then please check out my cell phone number, 320-333-2941. And uh, most likely, if you call that number, you'll get them at the office, otherwise known as Lake Malax. Exactly. Catch me on the office. Be happy to talk with you. Hey, Steve, thanks for the time as always, and uh, good luck for the rest of the weekend. Hey, my pleasure, Kevin. Thank you so much, and you have a great weekend too, my friend.